And thank you so much, Alan and Abrina and choir. Um, I think I'm convinced if our music was any better here, they'd have to give us something for it. <laughs> it's wonderful. What a wonderful gift to worship God through the joy of music. I'm starting a sermon series that is connected to our generosity campaign for this year. You'll notice a box here. It says faithfulness of what God has given. You'll be receiving information of ways you can do uh, generosity commitments cards to our church as we prepare and plan for next year. But we'll talk about that more later. Right now, I'm talking about the sermon series uh, that I'm focusing on. And I'm so glad you're here today to hear the first, first week of it or watching online to hear the first week of it. And it is tied to the vows we make when we're baptized or the vows we make if we're baptized as a baby, it's the vows we make when we're confirmed. And these vows are ones that God calls us to live into and be faithful to. And they're based on this one ecclesial foundation. It is the church is a community of baptized believers who by God's grace commit to fulfill their baptized, baptismal vows. I'll say that again. The series is based on the church is a community of baptized believers who, by God's grace, commit to fulfill their baptismal vows. Today, the vow that we're focusing on is the one that we ask first when we profess our faith and before we're baptized. It says, on behalf of the whole church, I ask you, do you renounce the spiritual forces of wickedness, reject the evil powers of this world, and repent of your sin? I'll say it again. Do you renounce the spiritual forces of wickedness, reject the evil powers of this world, and repent of your sin? That's something we say when we're baptized, but before we jump into the sermon, we're going to have some shared learning experience in worship today. So, so when we're baptized, three things happen that we profess in the Methodist church. There's three things we emphasize as Methodists that happen when we're baptized. The first is we are initiated into Christ's holy church. The second is we are incorporated into God's mighty acts of salvation. And the third is we're given new birth through water and the spirit. So this is group one, all right? This is group one. This section over here is group two. And the balcony, you're group three, all right? So group one, I want you to be able to say this. Um, through baptism, we are initiated into Christ's holy church. Through baptism, we are initiated into Christ's holy church, okay? Group two, you're gonna say we are incorporated into God's mighty acts of salvation. We are incorporated into God's mighty acts of salvation. Let's try that again, group two, all right? We are incorporated into God's mighty acts of salvation. Okay, balcony, you're group three, and the person in the sound booth can speak up to you if you want to, all right? And we're given new birth, through water and the spirit. We're given new birth through water and the spirit, okay? All right, so we're gonna try this. Through the act of baptism, we are initiated into Christ's holy church, okay? Through the gift of baptism, we are great, initiated in Christ's holy church. We are We are incorporated into God's mighty acts of salvation. Let's try it again. We are incorporated into God's mighty acts of salvation. And balcony, we're given new birth through water and the spirit. Okay, we'll try, we can't do the sermon until y'all get this church. All right, all right, ready? <laughs> through the gift of baptism, we are 
We are and given. That'll do, that passes, all right? Great work, church, right. And remember, all of this is a gift of God given to us without a price. All this is a gift of God given to us without a price. And I hope that you heard it wasn't you are incorporated or you're initiated, it was we. It was we. Let's hear God's words this morning from the Gospel of Luke 19, beginning with verse one. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through it. A man was there named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. He was trying to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd, he could not because he was short in stature. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore tree to see him because he was going to pass that way. When Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried down and was happy to welcome him. All who saw it began to grumble and say, he is gone to be the guest of one who is a sinner. Zacchaeus stood there and said to the Lord, look, half of my possessions, Lord, I will give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I will pay back four times as much. Then Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house because he too is a son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek out and save the lost. Church, this is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Almighty and gracious God, I ask that you hide me behind your cross so that our focus is on you and not me. And that's that your Holy Spirit works in our hearts and minds today. So what we think and say and do when we leave this place reflects more and more of our love of Jesus and our love of each other. Amen. So when this was written, when this was written, Israel, Palestine was an occupied territory, right? And there was a group of people who were, who were being unjustly taxed by the Roman government. They were an occupied territory, right? They were occupied territory who was being unjustly taxed. So the community was being brutalized by a foreign government requiring them to pay taxes. I'm gonna pause right there, because I said community. We're talking about a group of people. Did you notice when we went through the baptismal vows, it did not say that you are, it said we. It didn't say you are initiated in the Christ Holy Church. It didn't say you are incorporated. It is we are. We as Americans have this ideal of individualism, which can be a strength, but it also can be a weakness if we connect this individualism to scripture. Because God is always working to bring us together. It's always we and us. It's always there's God and we collectively as a church, as a community are God's people. The Old Testament's full of this, right? 
If you read the Old Testament, there's tons of times when in covenant relationships, God says, you know, I will be your God, right? And you all will be my people. Or the people will say, you are our God and we are your people. If we think about faith as merely just our hearts, and it is about our hearts, but if we restrict faith and salvation only to our hearts and not into our lives and not into our communities, we're missing the story that Jesus is teaching today. Rome was occupied and people were having to pay unjust taxes, right? There were foreign soldiers in their community. And at the time, there were people who were hoping and trying to keep God's people faithful. The people who were trying to follow things correctly were called Pharisees or Sadducees. And they were ones who were, had religious and political capital. And they were leading the people to be faithful. So you had them, and they sort of had a continuum of how people were judged and labeled. There were the Pharisees and Sadducees, the one that were trying to keep everybody in line with God's covenant. Then you had people who were faithful, and the Bible uses the word righteous, meaning their relationship with God was right. They were righteous. And then below them, you had sinners, people that they felt like were not being faithful and were labeled as sinners. And then below sinners, you had tax collectors <laughs> because they were taking, and that's not about the IRS, they were taking stuff for people unfairly and giving it to a foreign government because they were occupied. And then below tax collector, there was one more label, chief tax collector. They were at the bottom of the barrel because they were way up in a system. Zacchaeus was a chief tax collector. That word is rarely used in Greek literature at all, much less the Bible. And what happens is if you Participate, if somebody participates in a corrupt system and is complicit with it, the higher you get promoted, the more complicit you become. He was complicit with a system that was taxing his brothers and sisters and doing them harm. And he was complicit with that. And the more you get promoted in a complicit system, the more you are complicit because the system rewards you to rewards you continue to do the harm you're doing. So we don't know anything about Zacchaeus' heart, but we do know that he was promoted in the system. And we also know that we can't separate personal holiness and salvation from corporate connections, from how we are in a community. We can't say as an individual, my heart is right, but the rest of the things I do during the week are not aligned with God or God's vision for community. That's that individualism that can connect to church and do harm. You know, my, all that matters is my heart, and the heart does matter. But when we restrict God's grace and salvation to our hearts and not to our lives, we're missing the story of salvation. And so it's interesting knowing that and knowing Zacchaeus' background and knowing that he is complicit in the system and a high-ranking person in that, and knowing that he's at the bottom of the barrel, what happens when Jesus has a conversation with Zacchaeus? 
So you heard the story. You've probably heard it before. Jesus is walking down a road, right? He's in Jericho, this dusty town, you know, way, way below Jerusalem. And he's walking through and Zacchaeus wants to see Jesus. But he's struggling because Jesus at this point is pretty popular. He has a big entourage, right? He's got all the people following him. Friends and family and people want to follow him and people want to see him. And Zacchaeus, Luke says, is not the tallest guy in the, in the group. So Zacchaeus decides that he's going to climb a tree, although he's rich and wealthy, to see Jesus. Now, rich, powerful, wealthy people don't climb trees, right? Especially not in Jesus' day. He would have been a Twitter meme today, right? If that happened, you know, look at Zacchaeus in, a, in the tree. Don't be a Zacchaeus. Don't, you know, don't make a fool of yourself like Zacchaeus. He would have been a great Twitter meme to have this rich guy in his nice suit, you know, this $1,000 suit up in a tree, you know, with his penny loafers on. It would have been funny. But something about Zacchaeus was happening. Something about God's grace was working in Zacchaeus. God's salvation story that always works ahead of us was working in Zacchaeus. He climbed the tree to see Jesus. And Jesus, to Jesus' credit, as somebody pointed out to me after the last service, notice Zacchaeus with all the noise and all the crowds, notice Zacchaeus in the tree. And had an invitation for Zacchaeus. He said, Zacchaeus, come on down. I'm going to your home today. And sometimes what's missed in the story, I mean, we would think, heck yeah, Jesus, come to my house. What's missed in the stories is Zacchaeus welcomed him. Jesus gave this invitation of grace, this invitation that I see you as a brother. And Zacchaeus said, yes, I welcome you. Zacchaeus showed hospitality to Jesus. Zacchaeus could have said no, but Zacchaeus said yes. And once Zacchaeus said yes, he came down and there's this interaction when they're talking because he repents. Remember the baptism vow? Today is about repentance. It's about repentance. We repent to you, O God. We resist the powers of evil. We turn to you. We repent of our sin. And we're baptized. And if we've been baptized, if you're here and you've been baptized, that's a vow that you took. It's a vow that we took to repent of our sin. And repentance always bears fruit. Repentance always bears fruit. It's not just something you say. It's something that transforms us. In fact, in Jesus' day, especially in the early church, early church when you were baptized and you came up out of the water, it was immersion, they gave you a new set of clothes because you're supposed to be different. You die and you rise to new life in Jesus. So repentance bears fruit. And Zacchaeus, you heard what he said. He says two things. I'm going to flip the order. He says, if I have done anyone wrong, if I'd swindled them out of money, done something unjustly, I'll repay them fourfold. Now, that was what was expected. Read Exodus 22. It says, if you do this, if you take something from somebody, right, and profit from it, right, and you can't give it back, let's say you take an animal and you sell it, you owe that person fourfold. 
So at that point, Zacchaeus is just doing what the law requires. But it's what he said first that matters most. He said, I will give half my possessions to who? The poor. If I defrauded anybody, I'll give back fourfold. But before I even say that, I will give half my possessions to the poor. That's crazy. That's a radical response to the invitation Jesus gives us and the invitation he gave Zacchaeus. That radical grace and the power of Jesus' words was met with a radical response because repentance bears fruits. Repentance bears fruits. Repentance was not limited to preserving his soul for eternity, although eternity does matter. And repentance wasn't limited to his individual heart, although that's part of it. It wasn't restricted. It was this transformative wave that impacted Zacchaeus' whole life. He did four things. It's a fourfold repentance of bearing fruit. There was the personal side of it. He repented and changed who he was. There was the domestic or household side because Jesus says now your household is saved. Salvation has come to your house. There was a social connection. He went to people he harmed and restored things fourfold to restore relationships. And there was an economic dimension. He gave half he had to the poor. His salvation, his conversion blessed the whole community. It blessed himself, it blessed his family, it restored relationships, and then blessed the entire community because he gave half he had to the poor. Zacchaeus' repentance bears fruit. The vow we have to repent bears fruit. Our salvation is personal and it's corporate. It's we. We are incorporated. We are initiated. And all of us are given new birth through water and the Spirit. Now, it's important, of course, to identify with Jesus in this story some, because Jesus offers us grace. But I think sometimes we can make mistakes as Christians, as followers of Jesus, if we do not identify with Zacchaeus. I think we have to always identify with Zacchaeus in this story, because if we don't, we start feeling like we're righteous, we're self-righteous, It's about us and not about God and not about God's grace because we always need God's grace. We're always Zacchaeus at some point. Whenever we pray, God, forgive me, we're always Zacchaeus needing this. And if we don't read it that way, if we read it all the time, like we're Jesus offering forgiveness, it can cause us to do things that do harm when we're trying to do good. Case in point, I went to see a friend over the weekend, really short trip, who lives in Williamsburg, Virginia. And we were going to Food Lion to check out and buy some bottled water before we took a short, short hike. And as a center aisle and there were two checkout places and both had somebody at the register. And what I do, nobody was behind me. I don't pick a side yet. You know, I kind of wait to see, that way I can get in. I don't want to commit too soon, right? And get somewhere where the person takes longer. I do the same thing at the bank at the drive-thru. I don't want to commit, right? (laughs) If I have to, I will. If a car comes up behind me, I will commit and get in the lane, but I will wait and see. 
So I was waiting at that point at the food line checkout and this line went first. And so I went to this one and this other line was an elderly gentleman and a young female cashier. And I'm checking out with my water and this person finishes checking out and asks the cashier, um, do you know Jesus is coming back soon? Are you ready? Right, ask her that question. Jesus is coming back soon, are you ready? He was trying to evangelize, but his voice was different than I anticipated. Do you know Jesus is coming back soon? Are you ready? It sounded very strong. It didn't sound like an invitation Jesus gave Zacchaeus. And she said, no, sir, I, I don't believe in that. He said, and he got louder and louder and kept saying things to her. You gotta be ready and got really loud. And, and she was trapped because she's an employee at work. She's gotta be nice to the customer. And he wouldn't leave, right? There was nobody behind him and he wouldn't leave. And she said, sir, I'm okay, thank you. In other words, would you please leave? And so while I was finishing checking out, my friend went and said, hey, sir, you know, the way we show God's love and grace is being kind, you know, expressing God's love and grace in kind ways. This person has told you to stop, would you, would you move on? And he would not move on. And then my friend said, look, you're harassing her. She's asked you to leave, would you move on? And so the person turned his attention to my friend and myself <laughs> and started talking to us about, are we ready? And we said, we're both pastors. We hope we're ready. <laughs> my friend's a pastor too, we hope we're ready. Um, and we said, look, this is, we show who we are as God's people by the posture we take, right? And the guy started following us out, right? And he wouldn't stop talking to us and he was on us now. And, and I turned to him, I said, sir, she asked you to stop. You know, you wouldn't stop. Just leave the store and move on. And he went into, well, I know I'm gonna be saved. I'm sorry, you two are not. When we read scripture that we're Jesus and not Zacchaeus, we can do harm to other people, even unintentionally, by trying to do good. Jesus did not threaten Zacchaeus. He did not call him out. He did not judge him. He said, you too are a son of Abraham. He honored him as a human being and welcomed him into his life and asked if I can come to your home. By recognizing him and being gracious to him, that invitation had power. He didn't come to Jesus out of fear. He came to Jesus out of love. He didn't come to Jesus because he was threatened. He came to Jesus because he felt hopeful. He knew God's grace could change his life. It's important to remember that we're all Zacchaeus at some point in time and when we die, we're all going to need to lean on God's grace.